0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money.
0: Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that costs you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, right, we're going to start actually with a question that kind of refers to something we were talking about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in in terms of uh, uh, relationships with siblings. Anyway, this person says, I've the same problem uh, that your psychologist is discussing now, but my children are 18 and 22 years old. The 18-year-old is always picked for the the matches, while her 22-year-old sister is always the last sub on the team. Most of the time, she doesn't get picked to play. Younger girl is much better academically and socially, has lots of friends. Complete opposite to each other. Older girl is a very sad person, and is now attending third-level college and has no friends. Oh, gosh. I
1: know there's a lot in here. And, you know, what jumps out at me is, you know, you're never not your child's parent. You know, whether they were 8 and 10 or 18 and 22, you're still pulled in, aren't you, as a parent into what's going on? And again, there's a few things here. I mean, I first and foremost would really encourage this 22-year-old to engage in psychotherapy at this point. Yeah. Uh, Now, they have to want to do that themselves, Sean. Like at 22, your mom or your dad can't bring you to mm-hmm. therapy you really have to do that yourself because somewhere along this path of finding herself in her younger sister's shadow she has lost herself her own identity her own desire what sparks joy for her in life. And, you know, we look at the sports thing and sports has been so topical over the last week or so with, you know, children's participation and children been left on sidelines. And a lot of that has been rightly and importantly discussed. But we're also looking at how that can linger into adulthood as well. Mm. And you would hope and you would think that there is an element to sports all along where if you are competitively oriented, if winning is the the whole fun of it for you if that's you know and you're all about your skill set there is that league competition type of sports playing you can do and for the rest of us who maybe just want to participate just enjoy the social gathering of it the fitness the activity and the getting involved but don't necessarily want to be scoring goals and entering into leagues more that experiential engagement that that should be there and if she's not finding that within the sports team she and her sister share. I would encourage her to look at elsewhere. There are plenty of adult sports teams where it is about fun. It is about rediscovering. It is about fitness. It is about the social connection. And I would encourage her. Now, it's easy for me to say I would encourage her to do it if her self-esteem and sense of self is, you know, really quite low as it sounds in this letter. There might be a piece of work to happen first for yeah. her to be able to avail of that. You know, it is OK for her sister to be winning oriented. You know, it is OK for her sister to be winning, to be confident, to be social, to be engaged. And it's OK for her to be participation oriented, you know, not so focused on the outcomes, but on the efforts and the getting stuck in of it all. Um I just don't feel she is even getting that out of it from this letter. It doesn't sound like she's having great crack nonetheless. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like
0: she's doing it because she doesn't know what else to do.
1: Exactly. Or maybe it's a habit, you know, it's just something we've always done. So I think she has to find herself outside of her sister. And that's no shame or shade on her sister. Her sister can go off and live her best life. But she has to find herself and she may need some support with that at this stage.
0: Yeah. To say that, your daughter is a very sad person. Oh, I think that's, that really that's gets really, you. yeah. Mm. It it's really is. Really that's does. not something anyone thing. says lightly. No, no, no. And that's why
1: all. I would take that. That's my first thing was, you know, I really think it's time that this young woman um, did enter into some kind of a process that is just for her, just about her and allows her to get to know herself outside of her sister and her family even just gets to know herself as an adult in the world.
0: Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, normally when you go to third level, you kind of develop a new life. and it, But it sounds like the shadow of her old life is still... She's still going
1: through the motions. Yeah. It all just sounds a bit functional yeah. as opposed to fun. And there has to be joy in life. So it really is about, you know, encouraging. You can't do it for her. And I mean, we are talking about 22-year-olds here. Mm. So as a parent of an adult child, you can't do this for her. But you can... Highlight and reflect back to her all of those good qualities she has, and encourage her to pursue that. But I think yeah, I think she deserves the space. It's not. I would never put to um, any young woman in this situation. I would never say, "Oh, you need to go to therapy." It, it shouldn't ever feel like a need. Sometimes it does get to that stage, but actually, I would reframe that with, "You deserve to yeah, go to therapy." Yeah.
0: yeah. I lost my dad earlier this summer, and during his final days, I let my eldest son go into the nursing home to say goodbye, but not my younger son. He's only eight, and I worried it would traumatise him because my dad wasn't exactly peaceful towards the end. The 15-year-old handled it very well, but now my younger son is very upset that he didn't get to tell his granddad that he loved him before he died, and he worries granddad thought he didn't care enough to go and see him. I realise now that in my own grief... I made a decision that was the incorrect one and I'm heartbroken that I can't fix it for my boy. Is there something I can do to help him and me get over this?
1: No, you have to exhale this, Okay, This isn't even about forgiving yourself. I'm just so sorry for your loss as a family. You know, I think that's heartbreaking. And you did the best that you could. That still stands now. You might look back and go, I wish I'd done it differently. But you know what? You did the very best that you could For him, for you, for your dad, for the situation. Mm. And this isn't about winding back the clock and doing it differently. It's about just meeting your son where he's at with this. And it's okay for him to be expressing his grief and his upset in saying, I really wish I'd gotten to say. And you know what? Even if he had seen his granddad before he passed on, you may well still have been left. Oh, I wish I'd said this instead of that. And I wish I'd said more. The I wish is part of if only I could have that one last Mm conversation. And I'm wondering, and very much please take this at the stage of your own grief process you're at, but that might be a way to approach this is to couch it in. Well, if you could have one last conversation with granddad, what would you say? Yeah, and talk yeah. it out or maybe invite him to write a letter if he'd like that to be private. Or if you're in a place going, I'm not sure I can go there. He could maybe write a letter. And I don't know from this letter if Granddad is buried in a graveyard. The letter can go there. The letter can be pushed under stones or under a stone. You know, it can go into the grave. Mm. And, you know, if not, you can find another way of releasing it or sending. I don't know how old this child is either, you know, so it would depend on his development. Um, Eight, yeah. Oh, he's eight. Sorry. Okay. so yes, that would be very fitting, you know, that idea of releasing and letting go. And I think that could be really helpful. I also think you could say to him, you know, when he's coming to you saying, I wish I would gotten to do this. You could say, you know, granddad knew that you loved him Mm. and he's, he loved you. That, like that, is, that is absolute. And Granddad would want you to hold a picture of him in mind which was about fun and playing and having good times together, he didn't want you to see him when he was really uncomfortable and unwell. So you could couch that in your own type of language. Don't Mm. hear that as a script. But you could say, you know, what Grandad wanted was that you would remember him in this way and redirect him into stories of that relationship with Grandad. That's not to minimize or dismiss what he wishes and then ask him, you know what, if I could give you that conversation with granddad, I would. So maybe we could talk it out between us. Maybe you could write this letter. Here's what we can do. And give it time.
0: Yeah. You know. Should the parent, though, say, that's on me? I'm the one who decided you weren't going in to see granddad? Or is that maybe I think adding if, a degree of toxicity? Yeah, I'm not sure
1: it. that you need to... Put yourself in that, because I think, you know, we all make these calls in Mm. highly emotive moments. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's, I just want to protect you from this. Mm. And so it might be enough to say, let's remember granddad this way. If your child pushes and pushes and say, you know, I had to make a decision as your mom, but that's my dad as well. Mm. And I had to make a decision about how do I want you to remember granddad? And this is what I did. Yeah you know and that might be something you circle back to I would start with the other way first and try to focus on giving him that opportunity to express that last conversation while emphasising Grandad knew that he always knew that
0: yeah yeah our five-year-old boy is obsessed with Frozen. We got Disney Plus recently and now it seems to be blanket coverage of Elsa, Anna and Olaf. Brackets, forgive me, I've seen it a million times by now. I really want him to be interested in a variety of different films, not just one. Every time I put on another movie, he watches it for about five minutes and then insists we go back to Arendelle, the magical kingdom where Frozen is set. Again, my apologies. So did this person just let it go?
1: I was just going to say, don't <laughs> apologise. We've all been that
0: parent to say, please let it. Go go. No, no, I love the way they, they're, <laughs> they're explaining it as if nobody else knows it. I mean, there's
1: a reason that's one of the most successful of all time, you know. I think get curious about what he loves most about it, um, what character he wishes he could be, um, sing it with him. I, in my house, that would be enough to turn my child off watching something if the risk of me being there and singing along was there. This will pass. Kids go through phases of books, movies, songs, you know, I mean, you know, at the end of the year when and Spotify sends you that here's your year summed yeah. up. I mean, mine's all over the place because of <laughs> like my child latching onto a single song for a month nonstop. And that's yeah play it again, play it again, the whole journey. You haven't lived till you've driven one end of the country to another, listening to one song over and over. So this is something that's really normal. And like other phases, it will pass. (laughs) I I want to be so careful saying, it will, you know, just let this go. But it will pass. We've all been there. But I think get curious about why. that. There's a reason that movie is so engaging for children, you know, all children. We all know that song off by heart. Let them play it. Instead of let go, play it out. Draw it out. Think about the character. Sing the songs together. Enter into it in a shared joy with him. Enjoy his enjoying. I mean, I could still recite storybooks that my child latched on to for two months straight to the point that they are ingrained in my brain and Mm -hmm. I know them Mm -hmm. off by heart. And then they're never looked at again. Yeah, Never touched. That's it. They served a purpose at that point in time. And I've moved on to the next thing that speaks to me, that resonates with me. But there's something thematically, there's something in the songs, the rhythms, the movement, even the snow, the scenery in it that is actually he's engaging with.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't worry
1: about that at all. I mean, it's just it's kind of annoying as a parent to hear the
0: same thing over and over. Uh, The thing is, though. This is just Frozen. He hasn't seen Frozen 2 yet. I wouldn't even... I I don't know if his parent is ready for that. I don't (laughs) think she could... uh, My little one had... I got a wand... Uh, that, yeah. had, that played into the unknown <laughs> eh, 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 kind of randomly mm. and it was one of those like it was on yeah. a battery and, and you couldn't find it and the feckin' thing was going off And or, they live forever those battery do, operated yeah. things they yeah. never
1: run out They never <laughs> run out When yeah. you,
0: the only thing you hope they would uh, My toddler is really struggling to move on to proper meals We blended all her food from six months uh, on assuming that she'd gradually move into eating normal meals with pasta pieces chicken pieces carrot d- discs etc terrified of chewing her food. She has porridge for breakfast and really loves smoothies. We tried encouraging her with small soft bites of vegetables or meat, but she gets really upset and refuses to eat it until we've blended it. She won't eat crisps, jellies, etc. Every parent's dream, you might say. So her only treats are thin chocolate bars that melt in her mouth first. She's almost two. Now she's really young. She's still really young. Mm. The
1: terrified of chewing is just jarring with me, Sean. I'm wondering, has she ever had a gagging experience or a, yeah. a little almost a pseudo-choking experience. Has something happened with lumps that, you know, has caused her some resistance or distress? I'm also wondering, does she eat toast, rice cakes, fruit? You know, is there anything she is showing us that she's got that mouth movement and she understands the chewing motion? Because that's the other piece with this. I mean... I would say check out eatwell.ie. It's Sarah Kyo's website. She's a pediatric dietitian. She's very qualified in this area. She's got all kinds of suggestions about working around fussy eaters or tactile sensitive eaters, you know, which this is sounding like to me. It's just the texture of the lumps in the mouth isn't pleasing. And, you know, once your child, and I'd say she is by the sounds of it, is getting enough nutrition that she has adequate energy and she's growing and developing as we would want an almost two-year-old to be growing and developing. Health-wise, she's okay. Mm. You're just trying... And of course, children need to chew and crunch and bite and have textured food is helpful for their teeth and also oral stimulation. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on with that. She's also at nearly two... Coming up to when you're going to be invited or at least invited to, say, if you need it or not, your two-year-old developmental check, I'm going to suggest you do contact your public health nurse and request it because they might be able to refer you to their team dietitian because they have, I mean, this is not the first time they'll have heard this, but they may have some suggestions with it. Normally, what you would look at is you've got the blended food and stuff she already eats, and then you might extract, give her the blended food you know she will eat and beside it not touching it but beside it elements of that mm. you know so if there's carrots and parsnips in there that you have small little soft lump carrots and parsnips so the taste The flavor is familiar. It's the texture you're introducing. And don't make a fuss over, please eat it, please. I'll give you a chocolate bar. I'll do Mm. that. Don't do that. Just it's there. It's an invitation to try it. If she doesn't touch it or if she does, you just move on. But I think you might need to just run that by a dietitian and see what is causing the fear and what's going on with the chewing.
0: Yeah, it's a funny thing, though, that a kid's yes. texture is such a big issue.
1: Absolutely. Not just for kids. Yeah. I mean, I'll put my hand up and say there are certain texture foods I can't bear. Mm. Any mushy foods, the opposite to this child, I can't bear them, Yeah, um, you know, and never could. So I think, you know, we have to also come back and say we. many of us live with some degree of sensitivity that we're like, oh, no, not this, but this, and we have strong reactions to it. It's really the fear piece. Why is she scared of it? And I just want to make sure that her teeth are developing properly and children need that crunching piece in there. But nutritionally she sounds good. It's the other side of it. I think a conversation with a dietitian, Sean, could even just to reassure as a parent you know, reassure you she's doing OK.
0: Yeah. OK, one last quick one. A four-year-old boy insists on wiping his nose in his sleeve every night after school. I'm faced with scrubbing his snotty jumper. I play him with tissues and put extra in his school bag, but he just won't use them. I'm so sick of it and it looks awful. I'm worried people think I'm a bad parent when they see him. How do I convince him to use the tissue?
1: Nobody's looking at you thinking that, OK? Just <laughs> nobody is. I mean first of all I'm like why is he so snotty like why is this such an issue so get curious about that what's happening with him and his sinuses you know maybe if that's something you're saying it's a cold and I know what it is then do you know what that's going to pass when the cold passes don't worry Mm. too much about it but if this is something that's recurring or prolonged I'd want him just to be checked to make sure there isn't anything going on with his sinuses that's causing a buildup of mucus and that he's you know maybe uncomfortable Uh, children form habits and some of them are grotesque yes they do this like you know we've had so many questions over the years with people going my child's doing this or that or the other and you're like yeah they do but if they can form one habit they can learn another one so you know there is a way of reframing that the other thing I thought about a little bit retro of me maybe but a hanky and a hanky that's very child oriented like with cartoon characters or colours I'm sure you can get them in lots of places not that hankies are big business I think these days Mm, Etsy springs to mind I bet you you could find child friendly um, hankies and it might be interesting to rub my nose in a Spider-Man thing or in a whatever it is versus anything else but I have to tell you at four years old when I'm busy playing and I'm occupied and distracted yeah. and my nose runs, I am going to wipe my nose in the nearest thing to me, which is my sleeve, mindlessly, without even thinking. Yeah. And I might yeah. afterwards go, oh, I shouldn't have done that and helpfully then rub my sleeve down my trousers or whatever yeah, it is great. so that, yeah, just spread it around. But this is just something I'm doing because I'm occupied and distracted. Mm. And we are in cold and flu season, very aware of that. So all you can do is gently, firmly try to redirect him and yeah, get out with the little uh, nail scrubber and yeah, the water at the thing. end of the day so yeah. it doesn't set in. Yeah, <laughs> we all know what we're talking yeah, about. This as hard as <laughs> yeah, a rock yeah, yeah, it exactly. comes
0: down. <laughs> yeah. Ew, unfortunate. Thank
1: Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays
0: at 2pm. On News Talk.